Hey everyone, I'm Devin. And I'm Asia. And welcome back to On Their Behalf. Did you get a blood facial? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I so... just saw on Instagram. I was like, you're just holding vials of your own blood. And I'm like, what's happening? Photo? I look like so excited to just be like, blood. <laughs> yeah, it's so... Um weird but also um i want to know more i need more i need more information so it's really cool and like i'm like a skincare nerd so i Mm -hmm. love all this all this kind of stuff but i also am pretty conservative about um certain stuff so i'm just dipping my toe into um like you know this kind of thing but i got micro needling done which is basically Mm -hmm. they take a bunch of like i think it's like 12 little needles Mm -hmm. and just like run it over your face um which promotes like cell turnover and for me it like will fade my acne scars and helps with texture and like okay you know all that kind of stuff um but to give it like an extra oomph they can and i don't think you have to do this but you can if you want to do it okay they draw your blood Okay. And then, like, spin it in those, like, spinny blood things. Um, <laughs> the spinny blood things. You know, I'm yeah. being very technical, I so know. you should take notes. Okay. Well. Um, <laughs> but they, so it separates, and it separates into, like, um, the like red The red blood, stuff. <laughs> the red stuff, and then it separates into the, the white stuff, which is the white blood cells. Yeah. Which I know those fight infection. I know what that's for. And then um, the top part is... It's like golden liquidy kind of thing. And it's either plasma or platelets. I don't know. Yeah. I think Um, like plasma makes sense. I think it makes more sense because I think platelets are like within it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's plasma. (laughs) I don't know anything about blood. No. Me either. Um, It's red. But yeah. So they take (laughs) they take like the golden part and then like put it on your face and then like micro needle it into your own face so it's like your own blood but it just um brings up like that much more benefits because it gets all that like um i don't i don't know the (laughs) it's the part of the blood that i don't know what the word is for it in like blood talk yeah um (laughs) but i the equivalent that i think of is like the it's one of the more nutrient dense Mm -hmm. parts of the blood okay I don't know if that's true or not. That's just how I understand it. Yeah. But <laughs> um, it it is good for your skin. Yeah. And <laughs> my Wait. sister Grace set me up with this um, nurse. Her name is Nurse Kaylee. You can follow her on Instagram at Nurse Kaylee RN. And that's Kaylee, K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. Okay. Um, and uh, she's offering, I'm going to her because she's doing this bridal package. So she's offering mm. like being like a one-stop shop for anybody prepping for like their skin to look their best um, for For their their wedding. So I'm doing that. And obviously this is like LA based. She's in Santa Monica. Um, But she's lovely. And we had like so much fun and it didn't hurt at all. I was going to say, does it hurt? You do like a numbing cream, which is like just a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, you know, I like, I like getting numbed. Yeah. But it doesn't. So then, when as she's doing it, it doesn't hurt or anything. Yeah. It just feels like somebody's like running like a pen over your face. Okay, which is, is kind of what she's doing. Yeah, it's so funny because like, you, I don't know why um, this thought popped into my head when you said you liked numbing, 
And I'm like, that's, I don't like numbing, but this has got to be like a thing. But I, not that I like having surgery, but I, (laughs) I like the idea or I don't know. I just like anesthesia. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like that's the core of the friggin' opioid (laughs) epidemic, isn't it? Is it? Well, maybe painkillers, not anesthesia. But okay, because I just—it's a such a—it's not a sleep because you're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. But I've had surgery three times in my life, and it's always very scary before you get anesthesia, and you're like, you know, you're gonna fall asleep or be put to sleep in a sense. Yeah. Um. Because then it's. But I think I like it so much because. It's just, you don't dream, you don't, mm. you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not a sleep, but you're, it's Relaxed just like, you're so, like a, yeah, like everything surrender. shuts off. Yeah. yeah, everything shuts off, and then yeah. you just wake up, and, interesting. you know, I don't know why, I'm just like, and no, I don't want, like, <laughs> I'm not, like, having surgery, like, I don't want to have surgery, any, like, that's terrible. That's, like, but. a very specific kind of, like, hypochondriac or, like, Munchausen Z yeah. kind of thing. It's not Munchausen's at all. No, but it's like but you know, it's like it's just the the stillness of it all is intriguing. But then it's mm. also very scary because that's like, you know, yeah. I'm more scared of it, but it's because I have like control issues. You yeah. Know? yeah, and I don't want to know. I don't want to not know what's going on. But yeah. I also don't want to be awake for any of it. No, so exactly. I've only gone under anesthesia once to yeah. get my wisdom. My single wisdom tooth I had out. Um, you don't have four? No, I only have one. And like, what? I think, I think my other sister doesn't have any. It's just like genetically, our family doesn't have a lot of them. I don't know. Interesting. But I guess that's like evolution, right? <laughs> like we don't need them. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. We're breeding them out. <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. No, I've, I've had... never had a cavity though. Okay. I I've I've had my wisdom teeth out. That's when I went under. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if that was the first time. Um, I've had a laparoscopy for end because I have endometriosis and I had a breast reduction. So mm-hmm. um, I've been under those three times. And uh, when I got my wisdom teeth out, they uh, when I woke it's so. But that's again like when you. S- like the stillness and the like everything's just like it's like somebody just turns off a light you know and then Mm -hmm. you're just and then you wake up but apparently you're still doing like because of the time like type of anesthesia i woke up to a nurse like in my face like this going i heard you oh my god (laughs) and i was and i that was like my first like and i was like what and she goes, you've been saying you're cold for 20 minutes. Oh, my God. 20. So you're awake for 20 minutes. So I was not aware. I was just not I guess aware. That's why there's all those hilarious wisdom teeth. Yeah. Videos. But I didn't have anybody in the room with me because I think my dad came with me. My mom was like working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I remember he was there, but like not in the room when I woke up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she was she was just like, I'm sorry, but you've been saying you're cold for 20 minutes. And maybe it hasn't been 20 minutes, but I remember so it being funny. like, I've she been saying like, it for, for a she long does this time. every day. <laughs> yeah. 
so over it. It's not funny anymore. No, she's like, this is ridiculous. And everybody probably has reactions like that where they're, yeah. you know. My When I got my wisdom tooth out, I remember, this was like when I had woken up, but I had, they had to like push me in a wheelchair out to the car. And oh, me I was too. Like, yeah. I was like, I hate this. I'm not weak. I yeah. don't want to oh, yeah. do this. I'm not a baby. And then not, not that anybody in a wheelchair is weak is. or a baby. Yeah. But like, like obviously all but, you did was get a tooth took it, took it right. out. Look at me. I'm took so, it out. Oh, this is God. going great. This is but then, great. So they like wheeled me to the car and then I like got up out of the car and to prove I was strong, I did like a jig. <gasps> oh <laughs> I, like, my gosh. Just danced at the nurse. <laughs> She's probably like, seriously, you know what? God bless nurses and doctors and dentists and all these like medical care workers, because I'm sure they deal with that so much of people that are just like under anesthesia or on whatever medication and they're just just loopy and they just act up. (laughs) They're just like over it. It's like babysitting. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, my God. Babysitting with higher stakes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, okay. After 11 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about this stuff. Um, I think I needed it. I needed to talk uh, about needling. And I needed to share my my love of anesthesia. Anesthesia. Very interesting. I think that's something we should talk about and unpack a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about it in therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I don't really have a good segue because I never have any good segues. Uh, if you guys have ideas for segues, leave them in the comments on Instagram <laughs> at on their behalf underscore pot. Um, but today's case does involve children, so I want to flag that. I think, you know, uh. I mean, I know we when we choose cases to talk about, we try to be very intentional. Yeah. If they involve kids yeah um but this was one that i really wanted to cover um and it's kind of timely so Mm -hmm. just throwing that out there this week i'm sharing the case on behalf of kenyatta baron So because there are kids involved in this case, I have changed their names. So I will be referring to them as like other names. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that their names are accessible if you look this up online, but um, I just feel like I just want to not say their names. Agreed. Because they are little babies. So sweet baby angels. um, Yeah. On March 18th, 2018, an eight-year-old boy in Tampa, Florida, heard his parents arguing. Um, we're going to call him RJ. Okay. Um, RJ heard his mom, Kenyatta Barron, who was 33, and his dad, Ronnie O'Neill III, who was 29 at the time, arguing. And RJ was concerned, so he went to go see what was happening. He knew his mom to be fun-loving and kind, 
Um, and she had just re-enrolled at a community college to try to earn her degree. But he also knew his mom was stressed. Um, and she worked really hard to take care of him and his older sister, who we will call Angel. Um, Angel was a year older than RJ, so she was nine years old to his eight. And Angel was nonverbal and cerebral and had cerebral palsy and usually used a wheelchair to move around. Um, RJ knew that his sister was different from other kids and himself, but he didn't like fully understand why having a sister with special needs might be special to parents because it was all he had ever known. It was normal for him. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, not to say that it's more stressful or less stressful to parents or anything like that, but it it is different, and um, there's aren't, aren't always the resources and support that people need to give you know people like Angel their best life. Mm-hmm. But um, Kenyatta did her like fucking damnedest, okay. and she did a really great job. She decorated Angel's whole room as like a princess theme room because she loved it and just like really made her a happy kid. Okay. Um, and RJ and Angel played and communicated with each other and RJ even learned sign language so that they could talk. Um, Angel had some motor skill issues, but they were able to like sign a bit. Mm-hmm. And there's just a connection when you have like RJ knew what Angel needed and wanted and was saying without her needing to use words. Yeah. And um, how, what was their age difference again? Angel's nine and RJ's eight okay. in 2018. Okay. Um, and RJ said that there were these award awards at their school called the Terrific Kid Awards, mm-hmm. and Angel always won. Aww. So just like, that's why I called her Angel, because she just seems so yeah. sweet. Um, so RJ's dad, Ronnie, had just moved back into the house, um, and RJ's mom, Kenyatta, had taken him back even though Kenyatta's mom named Carrie Lloyd had advised her against it because mm-hmm. um, Ronnie I guess Ronnie had been injured in a drive-by shooting um, and had just gotten out of the hospital but um, or had just gotten out of the hospital when he moved back in okay. but Kenyatta had such a big heart and she had a soft spot for Ronnie. Like they had two kids together, you know, Mm -hmm. and he had nowhere else to go. So Kenyatta thinking, you know, it would be good for the kids to have the family back together. Let him move back in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's unclear exactly why Ronnie was upset that night, though. But as RJ went to see what they were arguing about, he heard a gunshot. So. RJ ran into the living room where he saw his dad holding a shotgun. Oh, God. Um, And RJ saw his mom run into Angel's bedroom, grab Angel from her chair, and hide in the closet. And um, RJ says that Kenyatta was bleeding and the bullet had hit her in the arm. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, luckily, Kenyatta did manage to like get her wits about her and call 911, and she told operators she had been shot in the arm and that her boyfriend was attacking her. Um, and in the background, the operators can hear Ronnie O'Neill shouting, Allahu Akbar, which I uh, was like such a thing in my research that like people were harping on, and um, I kind of like that bothered me because it's just like the sort of media extrapolation of like this phrase meaning violence or 
you know, anti-Westerns mentality, but it literally just means God is great. Um, so it's like saying amen yeah. or praise Jesus, like in a Christian context. Okay. Um, but he did say it. So um, in this context, it seems like Ronnie O'Neill was using that phrase as a phrase of violence um, okay. in a uh, wrong and reductive and twisting the beliefs of a religion in like totally Islamophobic way that is not okay ever. Yeah. Um, and but Kenyatta's call didn't last long. Um, so Ron, <laughs> what is your question? Do you have a question? I do. <laughs> um, so is he Islamic? I'm going to get into it a little bit more. Okay. Um, it's, May, maybe I won't. It, everything is kind of unclear. Got it. Okay. And, and yeah, I'm going to okay. break, I'll, I'll break just, it all down. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll just hold my tongue until you explain. Because yeah. I feel like uh, you're going to answer these questions anyway. So. <laughs> all right. Um, so Kenyatta's, I don't know if Kenyatta hung up with 911 or the call was cut off. I'm, okay. I couldn't find that information. But I do know that Ronnie dragged her out of the closet. <sighs> but she managed to get away and ran outside into the backyard. And the kids are still in the closet? Angel sits in the closet because she couldn't, she can't move. Yeah. Um, but RJ followed as oh. Ronnie chased after Kenyatta. Oh. And he watched as his father overpowered his mother and beat her to death with oh. a shotgun. I know. Oh my God. That I poor know. boy. I know. It does get worse. Oh. Um,. In court, the prosecutors said that Ronnie beat Kenyatta so badly that the gun itself was bent and broken. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, and Kenyatta died in the backyard of their home. Of her home, really, that she yeah, had let Ronnie let him come back stay to. In. Right. Ugh. Um... So after Ronnie headed back inside and RJ tried to run away and hide from him. Um, and because of that, Ronnie instead headed into Angel's room and dragged her out of the closet. Um, and he grabbed an axe and put her oh my God, no. face down on the floor. Um, Oh and RJ watched, and he said that he just saw blood everywhere. And Angel died instantly. <sighs> and now it's just RJ and Ronnie. And RJ tried to run, but he was scared. And, you know, mm. uh, his father grabbed RJ and stabbed him several times in the abdomen. What the fuck? And Ronnie dragged RJ out to the garage, laid him on his stomach like he had done with Angel, and he put a foot on his back so that he couldn't get away. Um, and as he held RJ down, Ronnie lit the house on fire. So before he had even started this ambush, he had put lighter fluid all over 
As the fire started blazing and the smoke and the heat billowed, Ronnie left and left his son to die. And then Ronnie made a 911 call. Oh my God, no. In the call. You listen to it? I listen to it. I normally don't listen. Yeah. I always listen. Is, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, this case is, because it's so recent, there is so much um, footage and video and audio and everything. Um, yeah. And it was really important. Um, I mean, I, I always think it's important, but I also kind of, I have a threshold. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, but Ronnie, I'm going to get into more about Ronnie. And yeah. it was really helpful to sort of um, hear and watch him um, throughout this. Um, so it's out there if you if you all are interested. Um, and we'll link our sources on our Instagram like we usually do if you want to see exactly what, what um, yeah. I was looking at um, to see. So... Um, in the call, in the 911 call, he claimed that a, quote, fucking white demon was inside Kiki, which was Kenyatta's nickname, and that that white demon acting through Kiki had tried to kill Ronnie. So, like, all right, something, yeah. something's up. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, the house is fucking burning, so neighbors are calling the fire department. Mm-hmm. Um, and one neighbor, I couldn't find their name noticed like a shape crawling like away from the house and they ran to see (gasps) what it was and it was rj crawling on his belly who he had escaped the fire wow so the neighbor like picked rj up and ran getting him away from ronnie called the police Mm -hmm. um which i like hero i i don't know why i can't find their name yeah um it's still, this is still all very recent, so there's not just, like, one area of information. So I was piecing together a lot of things. Yeah. Um, as as is the case, like, when you mm-hmm. do, when we do these, um, you know, current yeah. cases. Yeah. Um, so the fire department, paramedics, and police all showed up. Um, and this is the Hillsborough County in Tampa, Florida. And the sheriff came to the scene because of how horrible the 911 calls were um saying it was and the sheriff was a man named mike blair okay um and so the paramedics and mike um examined rj's stabs wound stab wounds which were so bad that the first like diagnosis i don't know if it's diagnosis but you know Mm -hmm. they they first thought that he had been disemboweled um so they called but he was still alive and he had been burned on you know, 30% of his body. So they called a helicopter and airlifted RJ to a hospital. And um, the sheriff's department, including Mike Blair, arrested Ronnie O'Neill on the spot. Why, why attack the children though? Like if you're saying that, I don't, I think if you're going to, if, if you are looking for logical, Answers, you're I'm not, not gonna, gonna f- get them. Okay, no, all right, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't fucking know. Wow, I don't fucking know. Um, not that so, it's like okay for him to go for 
her no, either. No, not that there would ever be a good reason to do any, any of, of this. this. No, but it's just like if his 911 call saying like, oh, she, the white demon or whatever was in her, then what the fuck did the kids have to do with it? I don't know. <sighs> so, um, going back, you know, exactly like what caused, what caused Ronnie O'Neill to snap? Um, yeah. And there isn't one solid story like i was saying but a few neighbors said that ronnie and kenyatta had been filing kenyatta excuse me Mm -hmm. had been fighting for a while because of ronnie's newfound interest in fundamentalist islam um the the i don't actually know if fundamentalist is the right word to use but it's the very extreme um uh like bastardization of Islam that people are using around the world right now to control and um, excuse horrible, awful behavior, which is actually like inherently uh, against the beliefs of Islam. So, yeah, yeah. You know, when I think you nonviolent, whatever, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> anyways, um, it's just like, it's, it's interesting because like that sort of like fascination with the way that um, I think in a post 9-11 world that America has been taught about Islam, which is just like the overall like they hate Westerners, they want to control women, they are taking away all the civil rights, which like, you know, we're seeing what is going on in Afghanistan uh, and you see why that has become like the narrative in America, but in reality, that is such a small fraction mm-hmm. of um, the Islamic population. And the same can be said for everything going on in Texas about fundamentalist Christians. And it's not, yeah. it's not about the religion. It's about the radicalization mm-hmm. um, and using God as like a protective yeah. blanket and a, a reason that they can, like people feel like they can do whatever they do want, whatever they want. Yeah. So that is the version that Ronnie is interested in, which mm-hmm. is like not a real thing because people just fucking make it up, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really doing a good job of talking about all of that, but um, that that's what he was interested in. Yeah. Um, and Kenyatta was not interested in converting. She was Christian and she's not going to, like he's trying to force her into his like weird warped version of a religion that she doesn't believe in in the first place. Yeah. Um, and so then another neighbor said that Ronnie O'Neill strongly believed that women were of a lower stature than men, um, which is like you know what our whole podcast is about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also like that that narrative fits into Ronnie's like made up narrative about what he thinks Islam is. Uh Um, And yet another neighbor reported seeing Ronnie O'Neill a few weeks before standing on the roof of their house, screaming like at nothing. So like Ronnie's going through something. Oh, Ronnie is very mentally ill. Yeah. So um, even like Ronnie O'Neill's father said that, Ronnie O'Neill called him after killing Kenyatta and 
what he was saying. So he made the 911 call and then called his yeah. dad. But what he was saying to his dad was that, like, someone was after him and someone was trying to kill him. He didn't name Kenyatta. He didn't name uh-huh. a white demon. He just said someone was after him, which sounds like a paranoid delusion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, obviously, Ronnie is, sounds like he's suffering from a psychotic break. And, yeah. like, I want, I, again, want to be very clear that, like, suffering from a psychotic break and mental illness yeah. um, are not equivalent to being violent and murder it does not mean that like if you're experiencing those things it does not mean that you are a bad person um in this case it seems that that is how it manifested for ronnie Mm -hmm. um and not to armchair diagnose but like also to armchair diagnose a little Mm -hmm. bit um i want to touch on something that i've been i just like randomly started learning about this um I was just, I don't know, interested in it. Um, mm-hmm. But sort of like the phases of schizophrenia. Um, okay. And and I don't, obviously, like, I, I don't know if Ronnie was diagnosed with schizophrenia or anything. And schizophrenia, again, does not mean that you're, like, going to hurt someone or yourself or no. anything like that. And honestly, just to, like what you said about, like, the mental illness and, you know, that the psychotic break and stuff. It's just like most of the time I feel like the psychotic break is maybe exactly what you're about to say is a step in that, in like whatever the mental illness is, it's just undiagnosed and Mm. untreated. So then it turns into the psychotic break that, you know, if it's not treated and they're not being medicated leads to violence or leads to some, but that doesn't mean that in everybody some cases, is going like, to experience yeah. that, you know, in most cases it doesn't happen that way. You right. know, it's like, yeah, you know, these are the well, cases. These are the yeah, cases. Even the does, phrase, of course. right. The, this is, you know, what our podcast is covering. So. Yeah. Um, but even the phrase like psychotic break, I don't really know what that means. Like, yeah, that's true. That is it like one single incident? Is it mm-hmm. a bunch? I don't know. I should look into that. Yeah. I'm going to use that I phrase. Mean, is it one like, uh, yeah, like is it one event in mm-hmm. in that person's, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if even mental health journey because that feels very positive but this is not so it just feels like is that just something that happened or is it a constant thing that's happening and it's just like you're yeah it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse yeah probably in reality it's not just one single moment that like changes alters like brain chemistry but it's like a compounding of things and then it just escalates to this because if he was like weeks before on the roof screaming or right this is not the first time that there's been something something, yeah going on yeah um but um just just to like tap back into the the schizophrenia thing because as i was like reading about this that stuff uh, the stuff that i had been learning about was like kind of popping into my mind and i want to share it to um you know help educate other people and not necessarily to um, well, not at all to, like, shift the blame of this from Ronnie to something else because Ronnie made these decisions and mm-hmm. he did this. Um, and that is not, uh, you know, it's not like people with schizophrenia have, like, a terrible fate. That's not the case. Yeah. Um, but 
Um, and like maybe if like Ronnie had been able to identify some of the early symptoms, he could have gotten help. But like then also the getting help and this, you mm-hmm. know, that's a whole nother conversation yeah. about what we have access to. So anyways, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to get a whole into, like, other episode. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know if you knew this, but this is news to me. Mm-hmm. But um, there are actually three phases of schizophrenia, the first being the prodromal phase, which it's often hard to pinpoint because it has so many symptoms similar to a, a wide array of mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. But it is characterized by withdrawal from social life, isolation, increased anxiety, difficulty concentrating or paying attention, um, which in the 911 call you can hear that. Yeah. Um, lack of motivation, struggling to make decisions, changes to normal routine, forgetting or neglecting personal hygiene, sleep disturbances, increased irritability, and intense fascination with the re- with religion and the occult. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, and the second stage is the active stage, which is what I think most people think of when they think mm-hmm. of schizophrenia, which is like, this is where the hallucinations, like visual, auditory, olfactory, like all yeah. sort of hallucinations, paranoid delusions, um, confused and disorganized thoughts, disordered speech, changes to motor behavior, lack of eye contact, flat affect. Okay. Um, which again, like some of those things I think come into play with, Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third and final stage is the residual stage, which almost kind of goes back to um, the prodromal phase. And I think you can go, I think prodromal phase is the initial, but you could switch between active and residual. If I'm not mistaken, I may very well be mistaken. But mm-hmm. the residual stage. Um, is lack of emotion, social withdrawal, low energy level, eccentric behavior, illogical thinking, conceptual disorganization, and frank vocalizations. Um, which I was, I thought that was an interesting yeah. way to phrase that. Yeah. Um, but and if you guys are interested in learning about schizophrenia, I highly recommend this YouTube channel I've been watching called Living Well with Schizophrenia. That's run and produced by a woman named Lauren who is living with schizoaffective disorder, okay. and works to dis- dig destigmatize the diagnosis and offer a place of support and guidance for newly diagnosed people. And um, I think it's a great example of it not being like the worst, the big bad and like, you know, living and discovering a new normal Mm -hmm. without it. Like you can still be like living a full life. You can have relationships and everything. Yeah. Um, and it's a really uplifting channel. So I highly re- recommend it. So I've been watching that, which, so then reading about this mm-hmm. was like kind of like dinging things. Yeah. And again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not Ronnie's psychologist. I cannot say no. what the fuck is going on with this guy. No. But I just wanted to tap on that because that was, that has been an interest of mine lately. Mm-hmm. So anyways, Ronnie does seem to be having these, like, paranoid delusions, disordered thinking, increased anxiety, irritability, disordered speech, eccentric behavior, illogical thinking. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, like we had been talking about um, his, like, you know, idea of Islam and mentioning, like, the white demon sounds like an intense religious fascination. Yeah. Um, again... It's not to take responsibility away from Ronnie or to Mm-mm. associate dis- schizoaffective disorder with violence. Um, you know, I don't know. But, you know, uh, yeah. those are very real factors in this situation. Yes. And this is the res- this ended up being the result that is not necessarily not like every. Good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and not good and not um, not the case in most cases. Yeah. Like, most people don't do murder their girlfriends and their daughters. No. Like. An ugh, attempted yeah. murder of their son. An attempted murder of their son. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so as far as Ronnie knows, RJ is dead. Dead, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now Ronnie O'Neill is in jail, and he's charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of attempted murder. Mm-hmm. And RJ, meanwhile, is recovering in the hospital, and Kenyatta's relatives go and see him and visit as much as they can. But RJ actually had another visitor, Sheriff Mike Blair, who was one of the first people on the scene. Okay. And I think because of that, RJ felt very safe with Mike, and Mike started visiting more and more, and they would just spend time together and watch movies and football games uh-huh. together as RJ recovered, which is really sweet. Yeah. Um, so Ronnie O'Neill, meanwhile, is prepping for his trial, and he's working with a team of lawyers, which, again, I like, couldn't find their names. Okay. Um, Interesting. And he wanted to use, Ronnie O'Neill wanted to use the stand your ground defense. Oh, which, hell no. <laughs> Absolutely yep. not. Florida. Florida. Oh, it's Florida. That's right. Yeah. So if you don't know the stand your ground defense, uh, it states that people may use deadly force when they reasonably believe it to be necessary to defend against deadly force, great bodily harm, kidnapping rate, or in some jurisdictions, robbery or some other serious crimes. Under such law, people have no duty to retreat before using deadly force in self-defense. Or uh, the way that Ronnie wanted to use it, too, was to say, like, that he went on this rampage and it all qualified as self-defense rather than self-defense being the moment that you disarm someone enough that you can run away. This is not the case here. Yeah. So Ronnie's lawyers were like, fuck no, you stupid idiot. Yeah. Uh, So Ronnie fired them and decided that he was going to represent himself in court, which as we know, never ever goes well. Wow. It's like Ted Bundy shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so dumb. I don't know. I don't I know. understand why. Why is, is something that they are even allowed to do? Like, well, like should we just, know, like, not? <laughs> like, But why? he went through. I know. He, the, the other thing, though, is that he, Ronnie, went through all of these doctors and psychological tests and everything, and they deemed him competent. Com- okay, competent to stand trial, but not competent competent to represent himself what i know oh okay so it's like (laughs) that to me is like that's narcissism right where you think you're smarter than everybody Mm -hmm. and you can and you can you know spin this story to get what you want like yeah and again not that narcissists fucking kill people but no but also it's just like what do you think you're gonna like, do they think they're going to be able to prove that they're not? Like, I don't know. Like, it's like, what do you think you're actually going to get out of it? Well, I won't go into everything oh, that he Jesus. argued. Okay, great. Because you know. <laughs> you know how I feel about this. <sighs> um, so, so the other thing is, like, there's so many videos online of Ronnie going through this process from, like, jury selection on. And he just seems totally unhinged and out of it and like there's not i i'm not generally one to like make fun of like appearance or anything like that but he also has like a very specific hairstyle Mm -hmm. that doesn't really help um and it's kind of like it's kind of like he was going for like the the weekends 
look, oh. but like it oh. didn't look intentional or like yeah. well kept the way that the weekends did, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, it just looked like. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's a choice, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but he's just like rambling. There's really like strange, intense eye contact, and then no eye contact. Um, and then he looks straight at the camera sometimes, which is really unsettling. Um, really incoherent statements and talking in circles. And it's, it's really difficult to follow. And it's honestly, it's difficult to watch. Um, I wonder what being in that jury selection was like. I know. I would, I don't, I would, I would be scared. Yeah. It seems, it seems scary to like that. He's up there kind of just like doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and he told potential jurors that he's, quote, facing the death penalty, so his life is on the line. So he didn't, like, question the jurors. He just said, like, basically was like, you have to make an opinion because my life is on the line here. Which is like, okay, like, that's, mm. we all know what a jury does. Um, yeah. You have no strategy to, like, pick people? Okay. I mean, yeah, that's okay. Okay, fine. Um, so Ronnie's whole defense, along with the stand your ground defense is, is hinged on the claim that Kenyatta was the one that killed Angel. Oh my God. And that as she tried to kill Ronnie, he killed her in self-defense. Um, well, doesn't account for, for, if you know. I mean, it doesn't account for what he did to RJ. No. And it doesn't account for the 911 call that Kenyatta made. Nope. And it doesn't account for the fact that when Kenyatta was shot and made the call, Angel was still alive. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So what, like, great start, bro. Yeah. No. He's doing, you know, he's creating reasonable doubt, but it there's holes in it. And there's mm-hmm. a witness. Yeah. Like you didn't. Well, there's. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't kill RJ. So yeah. he witnessed the whole thing. Well, yeah. So I'm going to get in. OK. Yeah. Into it a little bit, too. Um, the judge in this case named Judge Michelle Cisco told Ronnie, quote, as you know, you have the right to represent yourself. You also have the right to have counsel represent you. Again, I'm going to tell you there are many potential disadvantages and pitfalls to representing yourself that specifically you will be held to the same standard that lawyers would be. So she like multiple times was like, don't do this, Mm. which is very fair of her to like, I mean, fair to the point where I'm like, let him do it and let him crash and burn. Yeah. true. Um, But you know, she's, her job is to like give everybody a fair shot. So she is doing her job, I guess. Um, and Ronnie, of course, didn't listen. So on June 14th, 2021, so a long time, I think, plus COVID and everything, mm-hmm. um, the trial started. And O'Neill's opening. Wait, statement, when did it start? June 14th, 2021, this year. Okay. So three years passed, mm-hmm. which, I, I, yeah, I guess for a murder. Trial, not yeah. out of the question. No. Uh, out of... Um, I think Law & Order has made us believe that, like... It's, like, right. It's, like, immediate. Yeah. It's definitely not. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's years, um, years and years and years. Yeah, I do think it was delayed because of COVID, but... Yeah. Um, 
O'Neill's opening statement was basically him just like screaming at the jury, like yelling, pacing back and forth. And he said, um, by the time this is all said and done, you will see who is the mass murderers in Tampa Bay. Like, what? I don't even know what that means. You I will don't see know what the that mass means. murderers in Tampa. Yeah, like who is he saying is the mass murderers and who this? I I don't know if this counts as a mass murder. Like, is that no? I don't know how many it has to, to be to be a mass murder. But it's just it's like yeah. that's the kind of thing where it's like almost a sentence. Yeah, but is not a sentence. And like watching him say this because it's all you can watch these videos. Oh of him God, I'm doing so tempted this. to like watch it um, right now. It's it literally looks like within while he's saying that sentence, he forgets what he's saying or what he's going to say like three times. So he's like, by the time this is all said and done, pause, trying to figure out where he's going. You will see pause trying to figure out where he's going. Who's the mass murderers in Tampa Bay? And it's just like it's it's almost like he like watched a bunch of um, courtroom movies. Mm hmm. And is copying like the performances because he's like these big grand gestures, like, yeah, da, da, yeah, ah, like screaming. But it's oh like God. this is an opening statement, like, you yeah. gotta build, but, yeah, <laughs> oh my God. like there's gotta be an emotional arc. You can't be at 11 the whole time, bro. I didn't realize that was just the opening statement, Holy yeah, shit. okay, it's very, it's bizarre, yeah. Um, he also claimed that the 911 calls were faked. And that law enforcement tampered with evidence. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And he said, what? You know what, though? I'm like, you know, law enforcement is known to do that. Yeah, they are. And In you know this what? particular case, though, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think, so. think so. I don't think that they faked your 911 calls. And yeah. like that. Okay. But uh, good try. Nice try. Nice try. Yeah. Uh, he said, quote, the evidence is going to show we are under the most vicious, lying, fabricating, fictitious government you ever seen. Like, so now the government's involved? involved? <laughs> um, so narcissistic. Are we talking s- local government, state, they, yeah. nation? What are we talking no, about? No, it's just like, it's just a narcissist believing that he's that important. Yeah. That the whole government is... The whole government. Everybody. Everybody's just out to get just him and him only. Yeah. And that's what resulted in the death of his... Or the murder of his girlfriend and child. It just, like... It's such Again, a if you're backwards... looking for logic, no, if you're it... looking for good answers, you're not going to get them. Yeah. There's you're just not. None of this makes sense. None of it makes sense. Um, he also says, the evidence is going to show my son did not see me murder his mom. So going back to your witness thing, he's saying he didn't witness it. So, which I'll also touch on a little bit later. Okay. Because um, I'm like, how? How do you... How? Yeah. And then he also said, the evidence is going to show... I think somebody said, must have, like, advised him, like, stick to the evidence. Because he yeah. kept saying, the evidence is going to show. The evidence is going to show. Yeah. Which, you know, structurally is not a bad way to do it. No. I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, the evidence is going to show that local law enforcement says I ran after killing Kenyatta Barron to kill my own children. I wonder why I would do something like that for no reason. 
It's like, we all wonder that. Yeah, we want to know too. Or for what reason at all? Yeah. Well, I, I'm very okay. confused. Yeah. Um, he says, law enforcement and this administration, again, who, what administration? <laughs> what administration? Um, Is added he talking s- about, like, the Trump administration? I don't know. Well, no, really because this know. was this year. So is he talking well, about... in 2018, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, what administration? Because if it was 2018, that's the Trump administration. Yeah. And if it's now... I don't know. It's, the it's Biden, Biden is like... doing this, which... I don't know. I don't... It's not funny, but it's like, what? It's just... It's, it's so just beyond. Yeah, it's, it's just beyond. so fucking, like, what is he... Ta- like, that's crazy. What administration? Just... So he's saying they added several strikes on that video and added several statements that I did not say. So okay. this video, uh-huh. right? A neighbor named Khalil Brown took video of Ronnie beating Kenyatta. In the, it's in on the yard? Video, in the yard. <gasps> and oh. what Ronnie is saying... And he, like, called Khalil to be his witness. Oh, maybe Khalil was the witness and maybe somebody else took the video. I think that's what it was. Okay. So there is a video, but Khalil Brown, an eyewitness, testified on the stand that he saw Ronnie hit Kenyatta three times. Okay. But in the video, Ronnie's saying, there's 15 strikes. And I have an eyewitness who says it was only three. And I'm like, what? Either way, she's dead. Dead, yeah. Like, it doesn't I don't matter. Understand. It doesn't I, matter I, how many how many blows it took you to kill her. You still killed her. She's still yeah. dead. So maybe he, I think he was just trying, not trying to prove that he didn't do it, but creating enough like wiggle room or something. Mm-hmm. I'm really, or he's not coherent enough to like have no. a strategy at all. But he's also he's also like being like. Like, so so in the editing of this video, now all of a sudden law enforcement has an amazing visual effects house that they can edit cell phone footage in the middle of the night mm-hmm. to add hitting, you hitting somebody 12 times. It's just like on a loop or something. And then also, we also know the that eyewitnesses are often unreliable. Yeah. Because of memory, mm-hmm. fear, uh it, angles how far things were like yeah so cell phone footage is actually much more reliable than yeah. an eyewitness. like a video of some oh my god but right. uh, i god his lawyers must be sitting there like hey we're getting there paid. are no lawyers <laughs> like, no there's no lawyers it's doesn't he him. have to have he still has to have like counsel second chair doesn't he he still has to have like some oh, sort I, of I lawyer mean, like advising him I don't know. So I think that's how that works. If anybody knows, let us know. But I think you yeah, still have okay. to have like a lawyer second chair and still advising you legally. Like he's allowed to get up and represent himself, but he can't mm. just be there by himself. He has to have. Uh, well, like, he's not other fucking counsel. listening to them. If, no, you know, but so. they can't control what he says when he gets no. up there. So either no. way, but I could see them just li- sitting there like, God, this guy is just like digging yeah. himself into an even bigger hole. But we're getting paid, so who cares? Right. Like they're yeah. at this point, like what, what can't, what, what else could they do? Yeah. 
Wow. So then Ronnie goes on to say, quote, anything I may have said, they exacerbated it and made me say it over and over, like Allahu Akbar, which I, then he goes, which I may have said it once or twice, but they made it me want to seem like a terrorist. And I'm like, okay, so you admit to saying it repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And again, you're saying that like they made you say it. But I do agree with his point about, like, they're trying to paint him as yeah. a terrorist, which, like, taps into Islamophobia, which turns people against him, mm-hmm. which is, like, all sorts of problematic. But it's, like, why were you saying it as and, you were doing this? Yeah. Like, what was your what was the, the reason behind using that phrase? Um, yeah. If... In that situation, because obviously it can mean something different, but in the in the context of like what you were doing, what was the point of using that yeah. phrase if that's not what you were doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if and I think I yeah I think his his thing is like the evidence will show you that evidence is tampered with, but he doesn't. He, all he has is his own claims and Khalil Brown. He doesn't yeah. have anything to actually prove that. Yeah. And he admits he's like, I did the things on the tape and in the call, but not as much as they made it seem. Yeah. So it's just kind of like. I don't really know, like, I don't I don't know what he's going for. Yeah. So the trial continues and more witnesses are brought and everything. But um, then the star witness for the prosecution testifies and it is RJ. Wow. Which means that Ronnie has to cross-examine his son. Oh. And, like, can you imagine? So I think he's 11 at this point. Like. No, I can't. I, it's just chilling. And there's footage of it, too. And it doesn't have RJ's face in it. Um, and because RJ is a minor and obviously Ronnie is incredibly abusive, mm-hmm. the court actually had RJ in a different building and was video conferencing. Got it. So they're not in the same room, okay. which is good. Good, good. Um, and the prosecution has RJ walk through that night and he um, explains sort of the that that was the um what i opened with was basically the him walking through yeah everything that happened wow. and him seeing what happened mm-hmm. um and you know i know we had just talked about the unreliability of um eyewitness testimony um but i think the like a neighbor from you know 100 yards away it, at night mm-hmm their testimony is different than like a child witnessing his father yeah do unspeakable things yeah at close range and then also have it happen to To him him. yeah so you know um so and he does rj does such a good job and he tells it all and he um did you watch this video as well uh-huh okay uh and he's just like this is what happened this is the thing like he's obviously been prepped well um and it's just like so 
oh my god and you could see his little hands in the mm. video that's all you can see and like one of them is burns all over oh. him um i know and he's just like he just seems like such a smart yeah kid you know um so after he like literally goes through everything that happened on the fucking worst night of his life the night he lost his mom and his sister and his dad um fucking ronnie gets up to cross-examine him and like holy fucking shit it is just so like I can't, I don't even, it's so fucked up. It's just so oh fucked up. Yeah. It, that, that I think I'm like, that's when you need, that's so, when they should have been like, this can't happen. Happen. Yeah. Somebody else needs to question him. Yeah. I don't know why. Like um, how? How is that even a thing? The judge, the judge, Michelle Cisco was definitely like intervening and like, mm-hmm. um, and the other, uh, the prosecution was objecting and everything mm-hmm. and um, to, to keep Ronnie on track. But, like, <sighs> what, were his, what were the things that he was so, asking him? Well, well um, so, like, Ronnie's whole argument, right, was that um, RJ's story changed. So, like, when he tells the prosecution he saw everything, but, like, Ronnie says, like, RJ didn't see anything. Yeah. So, Ronnie has the audacity to open the question, the questioning, I mean, by saying, it's good to see you. (gasps) Oh, no. (laughs) To which RJ, the sweet, sweet baby boy, responds, it's good to see you too. Oh, my God. And I just, like, in that moment, and you can, like, hear a little waver in his voice and everything, and in that moment... You just know that he's reverting back to survival mode and mm-hmm. fear mode from being faced with this guy. Yeah. And because of that, Ronnie is asking questions like, "You, do you remember telling one investigator that you heard, you heard me beat your mom, but you didn't see it? And... And then that's when, like, RJ gets a little bit confused and the judge has him breaks it down and says, yeah. like, she said, do you remember that? And he says, no, I don't remember that. And then Ronnie changes his question to be, like, did you hear me beat your mom? Mm-hmm. And RJ says, yes. And then Ronnie says, did you see me beat your mom? And RJ says, no, which is not what he said. Yeah. So he is changing the story. But I'm also like, no fucking shit. Because yeah. you're staring at this man who did these things. Yeah. Who your whole childhood was m- must have been abusive because you don't just do that out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And of course you're just going to like, when you're faced with a gaslighting abuser, you're going to protect yourself. Yeah. And at 11 years old, like the burden mm. of being on the stand yeah. goes out the window when you are going back into all your trauma responses. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not even, God. it's not even like yeah. a thing, but like Ronnie's like, aha, I got him because yeah. it's like, he cannot even see that it is him that is creating yeah. the false narrative mm-hmm. because of the way that he is. Yeah. Um, wow. And 
At one point, Ronnie asks, did I hurt you that night of the incident? And RJ says, yes. And then Ronnie goes, I did. Which I'm like, oh, okay, admission of guilt here. Yeah. And then he goes, how did I hurt you? And RJ answers, you stabbed me. And it's just like, oh, oh my God. It's just so. So sick. So horrible. So horrible. Uh, Yeah. So that that is basically like, you know, um, the trial. I think prosecution called a bunch of people like character witnesses and everything and mm-hmm. had the cell phone footage and the 911 calls and all of and the fucking autopsies and RJ. Yeah. And then all Ronnie did was like prove that RJ is afraid of him rightfully so yeah and had a neighbor say that he hit kenyatta three times yeah so like and basically he just confused his son yeah to say something different than what he that he he told a a prosecutor right so like really he didn't prove anything on his side right and and honestly even hearing like like artists on both you know, the prosecution and Ronnie's cross-examining, um, RJ said that he heard everything. Mm-hmm. That's still yeah, witness testimony. That's yeah. still witnessing it, even yeah. if you didn't visually see it. See so, every- whatever. Yeah. And it really just, and combined with the other evidence, it's like, I don't think you, in order to win this case as the prosecution, I don't know if they actually need to prove that anybody saw anything. The evidence no, proves you that. Don't. You know. You don't. No. Yeah. And I don't know why Ronnie thinks that that's his best argument. Because it's his only thing. Because it's really his only on thing. To. Yeah. Yeah. It's really the only thing. Because if, he if he's trying to make it like Kenyatta killed Angel, mm-hmm. then he needs RJ to not have seen him kill Angel. Yeah. Which RJ did. So then he he's like, well, oh shit. Okay. Well, at least he didn't see me. Kill, kill the mom Kenyatta but it's like it's not he didn't hear Kenyatta kill Ronnie because Ronnie's still fucking here I just don't I don't know yeah it's so crazy so then Ronnie goes Ugh. on another messy rant for mm-hmm. his closing statement of course um and at the very end of it he says I want you to know the facts I did kill Kenyatta Baron. What the fuck? <laughs> but I want you to tell it like it is if you're going to tell it. Like, what? What is the point of a trial? Oh, oh my God. Like, what? I did I did kill her, but I, but if you're going to... What? Yeah. Wait, say that again. I really feel like my whole brain says, just exploded. Because he's still glomming on to... Because all his other things like fall, fell apart yeah. he's still glomming on to like khalil brown told you i only beat her three times but on the video it's 12 times and i'm like are you you're doing the prosecutor's job, job right now yeah but okay um and so so that's what his thing is like they tampered with evidence so okay. that's what it all comes down to for him so he says i want you to know the facts i did kill kenyatta baron but i want you to tell it like it is if you're gonna tell it I just, like, why enter a 
not guilty not plea. Guilty plea. Because um. it's beyond. It's even unless unless in his mind he thinks he's proved the stand your ground thing, where he thinks he's proved that Kenyatta attacked him. But there's never a mention of Angel. No, he never acknowledges that in any of it. It's all about Kenyatta. Um, for him, I mean, in, in the trial, there's mention of her, but of yeah. Angel. But in when it comes down to it, for Ronnie, it's about Kenyatta. It's. Yeah, when you said that there was no logic to be found in this case, I really, yeah, there isn't. There's not even a motive. Yeah. God. So, the jury deliberates for four and a half hours. I thought you were going to say minutes. (laughs) Oh, I was kind of like, why did it take so long? But then, yeah, I I found out why it took so long. Oh, okay. Um. And they came back with the verdict, which was guilty on all charges. Okay. But it took it took so long because they had to recommend a sentence because he was facing the death penalty. And you have to be unanimous if you recommend the death penalty. Got it. And one juror did not want oh. to do the death penalty. So that was what they were debating for four and a half hours. I literally think they went in and were like, like, okay, so he did it. Death penalty, right? And one person was like, mm. of course, you know. Wow. Like, obviously he did it, but I don't feel good about the death penalty. So then I yeah. think that's what it became about. Okay. So um, Kenyatta's sister, Daisada Baron, gave a statement to reporters. And she said of Ronnie, you got somebody who put my sister and my niece through pure hell. Their last moments on this earth was pure hell. And we were just told that not even that was worth another life. He has to live with his thoughts and he has to live with what he did. <sighs> Yeah. Um, And at the sentencing hearing, Kenyatta's family gave emotional testimony. um, And like, you know, there's so many people spoke. But one that stuck out to me was Kenyatta's 11 year old niece said part of my heart was missing. Um, And then she was too emotional. Like that was all she got out. And it was like, oh, my God, my my baby. Um, Yeah. And Carrie Lloyd, Kenyatta's mother, said, um, I am empty. I am empty without my granddaughter and my daughter. Um, um, And Daisada, Kenyatta's sister, said, um, I don't feel sorry for you. She says this to Ronnie. I don't feel sorry for you. Mm -hmm. You were sent to kill, steal, and destroy like the devil himself, and that's what you are. Um, And even Ronnie O'Neill's estranged father and grandmother spoke and not on Ronnie's behalf. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, so then (laughs) our favorite fucking guy who said he wasn't planning on speaking at the hearing, but felt really moved by all the beautiful words that everyone was saying. Um, he got up, you're going to fucking hate this. He got up and said, I first want to say I'm not sorry for the things I didn't do. And I'm not sorry for the things I did do. But I will say I'm sorry for your loss. Everybody wants to point fingers and play the blame game without knowing actual facts. Everybody wants to talk justice without giving it. What? I thought thought his whole thing was that he proved all the facts. 
Like, so people know the facts that he thinks are facts. I am so fucking over and this then guy. He's, <laughs> like, he's, then just... he says, like, the grammar of this. Okay, so let's, let's the double negative, right? Okay. I'm not sorry for the things I didn't do. Yeah. I'm okay. not sorry for the things I didn't so, do. So, say, say I did not kick a cat. Yeah. Right? I would not be sorry... I can't be sorry for kicking the cat because I didn't kick the cat. So I'm not sorry because I didn't do anything. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yes. So I'm like, okay. All right. So he's still claiming some sort of innocence okay. here. I don't know what he's referring to here. Yeah. But then he also goes on to say, I'm not sorry for the things I did do. Which he says, he fucking killed Kenyatta and he stabbed his son. I'd never heard him take responsibility or anything for, for angel. angel yeah but it's like so you're not sorry for killing her and you're not sorry for attempting to murder your son at the very least and you're not sorry for forgetting about your daughter yeah like Ugh. so he went on to say that he would have preferred the death penalty which also is just Ugh. like fucking give hell, me a fucking break man. dude come on yeah uh, and that he was saved by, quote, the one true God, mm. which I will leave that there for you to process on your own, everyone. I don't even know what to make of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he, like, continued to ramble and, like, list all the good things he did for Kenyatta, which were, was mainly, like, take the car into the shop. And, like, he just, like, kept talking about how he took care of the car. Yeah. Like, why? Okay, what does that have to do with anything? You still fucking killed her and you acknowledged it. Like, and then he said, my God, I hate this. He said, there is not one person in this world who loved Kenyatta Baron more than me. And there is not one person in this world who loved my children more than me. I'm like, except for the room full of fucking people. Yeah. That didn't kill them. That's not love. That's Mm -hmm. not love. Nope. That's not love. Wow, what a warped sense of, like... I know. Everything. Yeah. So, he ended with, do I look like I'm insane to you? Yes. And if I don't... (laughs) And if I don't look insane, if I'm able to represent myself in trial, you have to ask yourself, why would a man kill his own children who he loved? And then someone in the courtroom... I didn't... I couldn't find out who, but someone in the courtroom shouted, because you're evil... Oh. And I was like, yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Don't take that shit. Don't take that fucking shit. Yeah. Don't. Because why? And it's like, would oh, a man kill his thing? own children he loved that he admitted to, to it? Yeah. To trying to kill Ronnie. And he, uh, I mean, sorry, he is Ronnie. He tried to kill RJ. Yeah. Um, he admitted, it's like he thinks RJ's dead but with, it, with that statement, you know? Yeah. And I, the whole, like, how could, do you think I'm insane or whatever? How could I represent myself if I was in, in like, a sense? is so, nar- that's, like, what why they do that. Because they're trying to mm-hmm. prove that they're not crazy. Or not crazy. Yeah. Or, like, they're trying to prove that they're not, like, absolutely. That they're, they're functioning. Yeah, like, they're a and they fully have a grasp functioning on reality. Yeah. human being in society. And we, I know... Be- what's best i'm smart i'm like it's all this stuff that they're trying to prove within representing mm-hmm. themselves but it actually backfires all it the always time. backfires always. and it's like who is telling 
them that this is like okay like i don't understand it i'll never understand it because that's not i know yeah and i'm i'm kind of like of the mind like if you choose to represent yourself that to me is like as good as admitting guilt yeah i actually i'm very curious to see if anybody who's represented themselves has ever won ever yeah or been innocent maybe if you're like a an actual lawyer but even then i feel like you'd be smart enough to like not make it look like you're a prick yeah you know because if the jury just doesn't like you they're not going to vote in your favor whatever true yeah um so judge michelle michelle cisco sentenced o'neill to three consecutive life sentences and an additional 60 years and she said, 19 years I've been on this job. I've seen human beings killed by the hands of others in every way imaginable. This is the worst case I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I know I will be haunted for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So at least he's in jail. Yeah. Or prison. Um, so what about RJ? Yeah. The last remaining factor of all of this. Um, and obviously his mom is gone and his dad is prison. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he had to find a home. And this was something that I'm like, the, the articles that I was reading made it out to be like a very happy ending. And I think um, I I think as long as RJ is cared for and happy, it's a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had I, I had a little bit of like a hmm about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess after he got out of the hospital, RJ went to live with relatives on his mom's side. Uh, I didn't find out who exactly um but i don't know what happened but it was sort of deemed not a fit so um rj was removed from their custody okay um and the part that the media is telling is like a heartwarming ending is that sheriff mike blair (gasps) adopted him i'm gonna cry it it's really really that's really lovely you know God, that's so, so sweet. beautiful. Right. And again, like Oh, that got I, me. That got oh, me. okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's good. Oh my god. This is I think this is an indication of our uh personalities oh. where you Yeah, know, you know that's obviously it's very sweet and lovely and like that's what hits you and yeah. I'm like something doesn't totally smell right to me. Oh god. <laughs> Oh no! But and yeah. again, again though, like if RJ is taken care of and happy, yeah, like that is ultimately what we want, and like getting all of the help and like processing the trauma that yeah. he needs. And I do think that I I think that this family will do what they can for him. Yeah, and you know it's a what a wonderful or not a wonderful way, but like a silver lining to come out of it. But. Mm-hmm. What gave me a little bit of pause is the sort of, like, white saviorism of it all. Mm. Um, And, like, painting this, like, white family as rescuing this, like, sad little black boy. Um, When, like, the part that's kind of brushed over is, like, that even more pain is inflicted on Kenyatta's family and RJ's family from being Mm -hmm. taken away from the last people that... He yeah. had connected to his mom, you know, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I don't know what happened. So maybe it is best for RJ that he's not with them. Yeah. Um, I imagine there's a lot of stuff going on, but um, yeah. And I, I just want to raise the point that there's like there's two families involved in this and like mm-hmm. only one side, the super happy side is what's being covered. But there's one family that like could potentially be in pain. Yeah. From that. And I 
I have to, like, yes, I believe that, like, you know, there's still, there's going to continue to be a lot of pain and hurt surrounding this whole situation Mm -hmm. with that family. Um, But I do feel like, and I'm not saying that our, you know, social, uh, like, our system for, like, placing children is perfect, because it's Mm -hmm. not. But I think that if he was placed with a family member and whether whatever happened and it wasn't a good fit or whatever, however you want to like, I trust that there was a, a good enough reason for him to end up somewhere else. Mm. But I wouldn't, cause what got me when you said that, because I totally forgot about him Mm-hmm. But also, but when uh, it did touch me in the beginning, when you had said that like he was there for him in the hospital, like he was, you know, he would watch movies with him, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what male figures he has in his life or in, in like Kenyatta's family. Like I'm not mm-hmm. sure, like if there's an older cousin, yeah, that's a, I don't a guy, know or if there's either, you yeah. know, or an uncle or something like that. But it could be the the father figure bond that he mm-hmm. felt he was getting from what's the officer's name again? Mike Blair. Mike, Mike Blair. Like yeah. he he got that when he needed it most mm-hmm. because he just saw his real father do right. very horrific things to not only his sister and his mother but him as he's like being affected physically by what his, yeah. his dad did. Yeah. So being eleven, I I or at I think he's 11 now, right? You said? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. So he's like able to speak for himself. Mm -hmm. He's not five years old, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know what I mean? And he's, he's been through more than any adult that does uh, make decisions for themselves has ever been through. So, you know, I, again, I get it. Like I, I, I don't love the fact that it's like the white cop coming in and a white savior or whatever, but like well, it also could be just the father bond that. Yeah, he for felt, me, you know, just to just to clarify, I'm not. I don't have a problem with like the interracial adoption. I I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with it. Like Mike is white. I have a problem with the way the media. Oh, was okay. I covering it. that part of it. Got it. Okay. Because I'm totally for like interracial adoption. I think yeah. you know. I think there's a a higher burden of like providing your child with um, accurate and respectful um, education about their culture that means that you have to learn more and access to that community. But I think Mm -hmm. it's totally doable. I just think that there's a little bit that the media is like, made me feel like, Mm. like, I didn't, I didn't love the way that the articles were written about it. Okay. More, more than like, Mike Blair should not have done that. I don't, that's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. Okay. But got it. I also just, you know, I think I don't trust the system as much as you no. do, I think, in terms of I don't at all. Foster like, care. And I don't. I feel away. like I think it's terrible. And I think that the only part of it that was like a little bit like, okay, he is older, so he can speak. And from everything that he's been through, like, I feel like he's just an older kid that can speak for himself. Like, even right. though he's not like an adult yet, he, whatever was happening that took him out of that family and he feels better or more comfortable with the, uh, officer Mike or whatever. 
that's what I trust, not the system. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the system and, itself is fucked up and broken. Right. I think and ultimately, that the children themselves should be able to speak for what they want. Yes. You know? Yeah. And ultimately, as long as RJ is happy and taken exactly. care of, that is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... This is all, like, conjecture and just me looking at the way this was reported because I don't have the facts about what went on. Yeah. But I think that... I, I have seen a lot of these, like adoption stories Mm -hmm. that are really like lovely and framed from the white narrative Mm -hmm. um and then it comes out that like madonna's daughter she adopted from africa like her who she said was an orphan like her mom is alive and (gasps) what not yeah like shit like that and i could be remembering i could be remembering wrong but that's a thing that does happen yeah so I just wanted to like flag that because Mm -hmm. for every like heartwarming story that we're like taught that that is the right way of doing things or whatever yeah they're getting to that point often there's so many other issues for for every one kid that ends up in like the seemingly perfect family there's 20 other kids 200 other kids that don't end up there in that same situation but i think it also I don't know what the media had said in, in terms of this case, but I have seen it, you know, where every it, those cases of like, we took in the black kid is such mm-hmm. a, um, it gives people that warm and fuzzy feeling about like, people are doing good. There are good people out there, but then it helps it. It stops us from thinking about all the other children that don't end up in that same situation, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, it, it's but like it a, also, oh, let's throw flowers and, you know, make this look all great. But yeah. Then you don't think about, you know, the kids. Yeah. That and there's lower, definitely, there's, behind. yeah, there's definitely room to celebrate like mm-hmm. the wonderful things that oh, do come sure. from it. I, th- the, but even more than that, I think those like movies, like the blind side, which is based mm-hmm. on a true story or like the teacher that, that goes to South central and like mm-hmm. changes all these kids lives it's framed from the white savior perspective Mm. meaning that like these people of color can't and can't or don't save themselves and they need a a A white white person person to to come in and like lift them up which is just inherently not true no so that is my issue with this is that Mm -hmm. that's how the story was yeah framed and i don't like that yeah but Um, again at the end of the day we're very happy that rj is safe and yes um you know that officer mike was able to step in and help him yeah so um so rj has said that he will always remember his mom and his sister and he won't let his final memory of their last moments change all his good memories Um, he's such a big boy he's so (laughs) such a sweetheart um he remembers playing football with his mom and her special recipe of bean pie, which I was like, oh, I wonder what that I... could be. Yeah. Like, what's bean, bean pie? pie? I, wa- I wonder if it's, like, pureed and it's kind of like sweet potato pie or something, maybe. Maybe. Like, that okay. kind of texture. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but he says, she was just a good mom, and we did a lot of things together. She was nice. She pushed me on the swing, and she made Ooh. me some good wings. Oh, oh my God. So sweet. I, I know. Oh. And Carrie Lloyd, who's Kenyatta's mother, said, I go to her grave. I visit my two children at their graves. But at the end of the day, they're resting in the bosom of God. 
But him, Ronnie, he's going to be so miserable behind those bars. He's going to wish he was dead. This week's episode was written by me, Devin Balsamo-Gillis, with music by Holly Amber Church. Social media by Kelsey Grunberg. For all of our pictures and sources, check us out on Instagram at OnTheirBehalf underscore pod and on Twitter at OnTheirBehalf underscore. On their behalf, thank you for listening.